I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. put a disclaimer on this on the beginning of this one for people to let them know that we say echo about a hundred times. Well, we don't say the, we don't say the a word though, Alexa. No, but mine mine responds to the word echo, so it's just been <laughs> in the corner freaking out. Hi, this is Eric Van Johnson, and you're listening to PHP Ugly, episode sixty, recorded May eleventh, two thousand and seventeen. In this episode, we talk about the group behind MP3 setting it free, the Laravel Collective, supercharging Laravel Tinker, and a lot, lot more. So let's get started. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Guess Eric. What? What? Sixty minutes is almost forty-nine years old. 60 really? minutes. So our 49th episode? episode 60. Oh, this 60. Episode 60. 60 minutes. Get it? 40. How you doing, brother? Oh, I am good. It's uh it's been it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks now. It's been a very long time. I'm very happy to be back in San Diego. I the last time we recorded, I I had made it back to San Diego. I was literally in and out. I I drove in Friday night and Left back out Sunday. Um, this time I'm here a little bit longer. Here for a couple weeks before I head into PHP Tech. My little kitten Flojo jumping around behind me like that. Uh, here I'm here a little bit longer. I'm heading to PHP Tech here in a couple weeks. And uh, oh, I wanted to share with you. Uh, look what came in. Yay! Yay! Stickers. Got got the got the PHP ugly stickers. Nice. Not uh, just buttons, but stickers yeah. now too. Not just buttons, so yeah, yeah. We, we've got we've got the buttons and we've got the stickers. I, I gotta, I've got to uh, get you a care package out since you're not going to uh, tech. Um, yeah, I can't make tech yeah. this year. Uh, my my son's junior high graduation uh, is interrupting that one, so not not a real thing. Not a real thing. I keep telling you. Yeah. You tell your wife it's not a junior high graduation. isn't isn't a real thing. It's just called passing. Yeah, every time I say that, he starts crying. And, uh, I mean, I, it probably shouldn't be, like, the last thing I say to him before bedtime, but... These millennials, I yeah. tell you. They, they want prizes for everything. Oh, you didn't have to go to summer school? <laughs> I'll throw graduation <laughs> for you. You go to summer camp. Oh. Just drive him out in the wilderness yeah. and drop him off. Oh, man. So, yeah, um, back back from Phoenix, or back from Arizona, not even really Phoenix. I kind of wish it was Phoenix. I, I After being there for a couple weeks, I started getting a hankering for Five Guys, and I, I pulled up uh, Google Maps and asked for the closest Five Guys, and it was like an hour away from, in any direction <laughs> I drove. And, of course, there's, there's about 50 of them in Phoenix, but Phoenix is about an hour away, so... It uh it it became I I started to call it my purgatory, Arizona City is my purgatory. I tell you, but it was it it was fun. I mean, not fun, but it it was uh it it was what it was. So happy to be back in San Diego. Happy to be back with the family for for a couple of weeks before before heading to PHP Tech. If you're going to PHP Tech and you happen to listen to the show and you come across me, ask me for a pin, ask me for stickers. I'll, ask him uh, to I'll stop touching you. <laughs> Call security, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> However you got to do it. <laughs> what have you been up to, Thomas? Oh, you know, the usual. Uh, had a project that, that really, really ran over on time, unfortunately. So been pulling the late nights and the early mornings. Um mm. But uh friend of the show, Matt Lance, you might know him. 
Everybody's afraid of the show to you. Yeah, Matt has never listened to our show. He's he's I officially he's officially a friend of the show now because he has added me to the Laravel Collective to maintain the Iron Q package. Just because he has a poor judgment of character does not make him a friend of the show. No, but it is one of our primary requirements. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're part of the Laravel Collective now? I am part of the Laravel Collective now. Uh, it was just tweeted out today, and yeah, right now I've I've only got uh, the job of maintaining the Iron Q, which I haven't even gotten to doing the big merges that it needs. I have to educate myself now on tagging for Composer and all of those wonderful things. So, do you guys have a secret handshake or something? I don't think so. We don't wear See, pants. I I, th- I I thought Matt and I were friends. He's never asked me to be part of his collective. He asked Gee. you to ask me. So you must be a friend because well, because he contacted me through you. I know. He actually said he needed somebody with talent, and if I could talk to you, I'm like, oh, Aww. okay. <laughs> it's not a good friend. No, uh, congratulations on that. I, I'm happy. Uh, happy you're a part of it. Excited. I, I know it's funny how all all this seems to tie together. That's that's a library that we'd worked with in the past. You talked about in the past and. Lo and behold, you are now maintainer of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that and terrified because I've never had people in the position to contact me and say, you broke everything. That's right. Our business is down because of you. Yeah. So, you know, f- <laughs> fingers crossed. There's already uh, and, in, already tests, already PHP unit tests. So, <laughs> can't break it and, too much. Uh, our buddy John is not with us tonight. He's not feeling well. He's, uh, you know how it is. He he came back from vacation and uh, all of a sudden isn't feeling great. In air quotes for our listeners. Yeah, that's that's so always still re- always happens to me. He's as still when recovering I go on from vacation. his vacation. Yeah. Immediately need an yeah. extra couple days afterwards. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're we wish him the best, but I did want to mention that uh, he's been published again in PHP Tech Magazine. Now, Are you it, aware of this? It looked like he was featured in some way. It wasn't. It wasn't one of those back of the page, you know, small boxes that you can buy that to advertise <laughs> your services. He he actually wrote an article. Come to your house, give you private massages. Yeah, uh, not this time. This time he he wrote words. He wrote, wrote several words. Uh, he did a he did a fe- well. I don't know if it's feature piece. He did a piece on Vue.js, and uh, they tweeted tweeted out the article. It's a pretty lengthy article. Um, lots of words. I, I read some of them. Not 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 all of them. You know. It's, yeah, we're not strong readers. Yeah, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, that's like the. I think this is like the third time he's been publishing PHP Tech. I'll tell you. You mean you guys? You guys are outshining me. I, I'm I'm kind of envious. You're you're part of the collective now. You got John publishing papers. What am I doing? Well, he takes a lot of sick I'm days. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he's he's doing all his his, his writing while he's uh, grievously ill. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's been good. Interesting. Like I said, being out in the Arizona city with uh, doing some. Hanging out with my dad, um, we've talked about in the past, has some dementia, which is always kind of an exciting thing. You know, I'm sitting there, sitting there working, and all of a sudden the guy decides, you know, he's going to leave the house and start walking back to Maryland. It's like, yeah, man, 
Probably not a good idea, especially when it's 110 degrees outside. Yeah, he wouldn't even make it to Five Guys. Yeah, that's no kidding, man. You know, there's a so. <clears throat> there's a an elder care home in uh, Norway which has a fake bus stop out front. Have you heard about that? <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah, part Seems of the genius. Part though. of the nurses. Part of the nurses' routes is just to go out and pick up the people who are sitting at the bus stop. That's genius. <laughs> and, and it's really a fake bus stop? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a bus stop with no service line connected to it at all. It just looks like a bus stop. So people wander out of the building, sit down, and wait for a bus to come. Nurse comes and throws them back in the building. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Maybe that's what I should have done. Put a fake uh, fake Uber in front of the house. Just park, park my truck in front of the house, put an Uber sticker on it. Dad will walk out and sit in there. Anybody seen the driver? I love my dad. I love him. Love the guy. Uh, dads are fun. Yeah. All right. Now, by the time this, this besides, airs, it will have been Mother's Day. This is true. So May for me is a personal, personally, a very busy month. Um, my wife's birthday starts May off. Uh, my birthday follows it up. Uh, so my birthday was actually Monday, and then Happy Mother's birthday. Day is in. Thank you. And Mother's Day is in May, and then my wife and I's anniversary, we got married in May. So May is, for my wife, is just, she just gets showered with gifts. She's got her birthday, she's got Mother's Day, she's got the wedding anniversary. And then, on top of all that, I'm not even in town for the wedding anniversary, uh, or anniversary of this year. Uh, I'm at PHP Tech, so you know she gets a nicer gift. She, yeah. I get that out, out of town tax added to whatever gift I give give her. So she's gonna ma- she's making out. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do for the wedding anniversary year, but uh, yeah, she's gonna she always makes out. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I think all I try to do is just get rid of the kids for our anniversary, and if we can su- succeed at doing that, then uh, take a nap and then go to the bar. <laughs> I just picture you like giving your wife an anniversary card saying, honey, another year without the clap. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) No, can't give her that card anymore. (laughs) Oh, boy. You know why they call it the clap? Where have we gone? No idea. Ask me after the show. uh, It is a horrifying, horrifying name for a disease. Oh, do we do we want to get into the news? What are we doing here? I'd love to. I'd love to. You know what that was? Lots of uh, what's that? That was sarcasm. That was sarcasm. Yeah, you know how you, can, you know how you can tell. No, because I told you it was sarcasm. <laughs> All right. I, I added. The I added this to our, our list a while ago, but I, I love this. Um, Reddit, which is a, a pretty large community has the ability to self-tag your own posts. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you can tag it is, as is sarcastic. So now the database of what people said in a sarcastic tone in text is online, which <laughs> is awesome. So if you want to teach an AI how to understand sarcasm, there is a 1.3 million remark database available to you and every every line of it sarcastic 
Okay, that that'll be good to have. Yeah, I know. It, not not a great story, but <laughs> I had to come up with something. No one was adding stuff to the list. Nobody. I I added absolutely nothing. I think I have one card on here, and I just did that. Uh, uh, do we even still have it on? My, you know, my Trillo. I can't. I can't even click around Trillo right now. My my Trillo tab. Let me. I'm gonna cancel the tab and reopen Trillo. I can't even move cards around. I can't. I can't do anything. Let me. Let me see if I can get back to it here. Uh, you know next story. What's next story? So you know you've heard the term "free as in beer" versus "free as in freedom." Right. It's very popular in the open source world. Yeah. So free as in beer, meaning someone providing you a service or good for free. Uh, mm-hmm. Free as in freedom, meaning free speech, uh, freedom of expression, that kind of thing. Can typically go in and view the source code, modify the source code, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, for a long time, the, the MP3 codec, which was created by Fahrenhofer Labs, was not free. Uh, they, they sort of, when it came to the internet, got the short end of the stick. Everyone just took it and acted like it was theirs. Uh, but when it came to hardware, MP3 decoding and encoding integration cost you money. So if you wanted to make mm-hmm. a sound card that could do MP3 processing, you had to fork over cash. Well, as of April 23rd, that is no longer the case. So What? So so they 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 just generously opened it up to the world? No, they're they're not quite generous. They they are ending their licensing program due to uh no longer holding the patent for it. The patent that had expired, correct? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So it is now free as in beer and freedom. Uh, you can grab the uh, source, I believe, or the algorithm, and you can use it as much as you'd like to. And there's so I think I th- if I understood the story correctly, and I I didn't read the uh, the post you had. I just had listened to this on other podcasts, and again, my Trello was just not loading at all. Um, you know, they they had the option. They they could have continued to extend their patent. I mean, it's the whole Mickey Mouse thing, right? It's the patent never really expires if they want to keep extending it. But right. They had come to the conclusion that it had basically run its course. That there were better technologies out there, better compression uh, for audio, and it just wasn't worth them to pursue to keep extending the patent. So, to some degree, they were generous in the fact that they said, "Okay, we're not going to." We're not going to repatent this. We're just going to go ahead and, and let it expire and open it up for everybody. Yeah, and and it isn't the the codec used anymore. It isn't what people are using for basically anything. Um, mm. But it is the foundation mathematics behind everything in audio compression, in lossy audio compression that's out there right now. So, mm. it, hopefully, we'll see a a nice little boost in streaming file sizes and uh, integration of compression codecs into things that could really use it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. That's cool. Uh, let's see, what else we got? We got some uh, release notes from Laravel. So this this is the first time I had actually seen this, where uh, Laravel did a security patch of uh, their current version of 5... What is? What are they on? 5.4? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this this was patch five five four dot two two if I'm remembering correctly is that right? Yes, five four two two. Yeah. Do Do you understand what 
the the issue is that they're addressing? Um, they say that it is a phishing attempt mitigation. The password reset notification that is built into the Laravel system now. Uh, so this is this is when you do the uh, make uh, off. Uh, and, and you do the scaffolding for the Laravel authorization. There's a you have a register, you have a login, and then I guess you have a reset password uh, workflow you can click through. Yeah. So uh, according to the docs here, since the password reset notification uses the host of the incoming request to build the password reset URL, the host of the password re- reset URL may be spoofed. If users do not notice that they are not on the intended application's domain, they may accidentally enter their login credentials into a malicious application. So, hmm. it's basic. It's a basic change to the hash algorithm that makes sure that that spoofing can't occur. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And you know, there was another big uh, uh, email spoofing issue recently. I'm not sure if you saw the Google Docs one. Oh, I, I, yeah. As a matter of fact, we had a a member of our user group that got hit with this, and he he was on IRC and he posted. He says, "Hey, is anybody else getting a notification about uh, Google Docs?" And you know, we we're like, "No, nothing, nothing had been published about it yet." And we we're like, "No." He's like, "I don't know. This looks suspicious. I'm I'm not going to I'm going to leave it." There's but there's something weird about it. And then maybe six hours later, I started seeing tweets and. And uh, blog post about this. So, can you can you give us some understanding of what happened there? So, there was a new phishing attack that tried to use it, it. It would you would receive an email that looked like you were given access to a Google Doc. When you opened it, it would ask you to authenticate an application. This application was nefarious. So, when you authenticated it it would go through your contacts and send itself out to everyone on your contacts as well as, yeah, as well as do something else unknown with all of the information in your inbox. So yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't damaging anything, but it looks like they fetched a good number of inbox data from this attack. Uh, Google Mm -hmm. responded pretty quickly and disabled this application specifically so that it couldn't access anything on on Gmail, and it removed it from anyone who had it installed on their system or on their account. But it it, it points towards a bigger problem with people just entering their password in when it's requested. Or, or the fact that we're we're getting to a day and age where it's becoming quite common practice to to give one of your cloud hosted applications access to another cloud hosted application, and people don't always sit there and look at all the permissions it's, it's requiring and whether or not those permissions are actually needed. Yeah, um, yeah, we've all kind of gone through, and it's weird because I noticed right after this happened, I don't, I don't know if one thing is related to another, but right after this happened. I noticed my Google login changed. The the login screen for Google changed. Yeah, so what they did is they, they made a change to how they handle OAuth 2 requests. Uh, apparently this used a much older version of the Google OAuth 2, or uh, OAuth, I think OAuth 1 actually, authentication, something that Google has since disabled. Um, but they're also putting steps in place to make sure that OAuth applications... Uh, 
are more tightly monitored and regulated. But mm-hmm. as with as with anything Google, they're not really telling us what they're doing. They're just saying we're doing something to make it better. Hmm. Okay. So that's no longer a problem. It's it's been addressed. No longer a problem, but it it because of its ability to send itself to people in your contacts, it spread incredibly mm-hmm. fast. Uh, and I, I mean, this this harkens back to the old days of viruses on your computer when you used to have your you, everybody used to have fat email clients that ran on your local desktop and you'd get a virus and it would go to your address book and start sending out emails to everybody in your address book. This is the exact same thing, but cloud-based. Right. The last time I remember something on this scale was the I love you virus mm-hmm. um, or love bug was the official name for it. And it's just an email that yeah, said, right. just right. an email that said, I love you. And when you opened up the attachment, it sent itself to everyone in your contacts list. That was that was a virus that made the front page of Time magazine. Yep, yep. So bad bad people never go away. They're always there. So we we last time we Let's talked see. we talked about the Echo Look, the 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 mirror, right? The right the the, the very expensive mirror for for Echo. And now you and I are are both Echo users. Have you noticed the? A difference in your Echo because I heard uh, Echo got a major upgrade to its speech patterns and recognition. And I went to launch the app on my phone the other day, and there was a whole new interface to it. Did you, yep. have you notice any of that? Yeah. So yeah. along with along with the announcement of this new product, which which we'll get into in a little bit, they've added calling and messaging between Echo devices. So when you hear it from Amazon, they say we've added calling and messaging to Echo. They don't explain very clearly that it's between other Echo devices. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see the new product, it starts to make sense. So the new product yep. is a, a screen, basically. It's a screen, mm-hmm. a nice speaker, and a webcam. And it's called the Echo Show. You can use it to do all the stuff that the, the higher-end Amazon Kindle things can do so you can watch tv shows and movies through the amazon service um oh i didn't catch that you could do that yeah yeah uh well you know the echo as it stands now you can ask it to play music from the amazon music database this is just going to extend it further than that and add video Uh, but you can also call another echo which is interesting it, it it's funny um Back in the day, I used to work for Sony Electronics, and one of the most underrated products that they released, or what I felt was a very underrated product that they released, was something called a Sony Dash, and uh, it looked very similar to this uh, Echo Show. It had a lot of the same functionality. You could watch Hulu on it. You could watch Amazon Prime on it. You could watch Netflix on it. It was a they. It was a smart clock is what it was called back then and uh you know it did the weather this reminds me so much of the sony dash and i was a huge fan of the dash um their timing sony's timing on releasing the dash was actually pretty bad uh if i remember correctly i think they released the dash i want to say two or three months after apple announced and released the first generation of the ipad 
And it's like, once you saw that, it's it's like, yeah, nobody's going to buy a smart clock now. You know, they have these iPads. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I was a fan of the Dash. I had a couple of them. And when I saw this Echo, I'm like, holy crap, it's, it's the Sony Dash again. And it's, it, it's still a good product. It, it is an extraordinarily bland design. Um, it's just sort of a tilted triangle. Right. Uh, you know, it's fun. It, the funny thing about it, did you watch the video? No. Amazing. So the, it, it's a marketing video, right? And the, all these marketing videos are the same, but it cracks me up because the, the use cases they show is like one of them is a guy in the kitchen. He's cleaning some dishes and he decides to call his mom, who's also happens to be in the kitchen. And the the device is set up perfectly so that, you know, it's showing them and they're talking to it and it's just the right distance. And then later on, he's like in his kid's room. And of course, he calls his mom again, who's, you know, sitting in her living room. And again, the devices are all positioned perfectly. And the reality of it is, it's like, that doesn't. That's not how it works. You know, you get one of these, you you put it somewhere, and if you ever decide you want to use the calling, you first thing you do is you, you text your mom and say, I'm gonna call you on the echo, go to your echo. And <laughs> and then and then you're standing like at a bookshelf because that's where you have the echo set up and and you're making this call. It's just I I I love the marketing people do behind uh, the, these communication, div- I mean, Skype is the same way. Hangouts are the same way. Uh, iMessenger is the same way. They, they make it like it's going to be this, everybody's going to enjoy doing video chat and it's always going to be these setup scenarios that are so nice. Nobody likes doing video chat. Nobody wants to do video chat. You call somebody on video chat and they're like, uh, why do you, why are you video chatting me? You know, and they turn yeah. it, turn it off. It's it's just not not a thing. I don't I don't know why so many companies keep trying to do it. Now, well, I'll tell you, IBM tried to do it, which is why everyone else tries to do it now. IBM mm-hmm. tried to do it in the early '90s, and it was a miserable failure. But mm-hmm. what's interesting to me now, have you ever used a Polycom business speakerphone? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know how amazing those things are. Mm-hmm. Because it is crystal clear from anybody in the room, anywhere in the room. And that is a multi-microphone technology that allows it to properly home in on who's speaking and make sure that they're speaking clearest. And the the Echo devices have that technology inherently in them for the listening purposes. So I, I think you are going to get a surprisingly good call quality as far as audio out of this thing. And the the camera is a five megapixel, so there's the possibility of doing face tracking and sort of follow me around the room type video stuff. But we'll see. I, I haven't seen it yet. So I will say, if you remember me talking a couple podcasts back, um, and like I said, been spending a lot of time with my dad who has dementia, and as part of the dementia, um, there's a couple things that ha- that happen. Uh, you know, he he gets very confused. He he doesn't understand where he's at in time and space, and he doesn't realize who's past in the family or where he's at exactly. So 
Every day with him is a series of questions that he asks, and he repeats the question over and over again. And I shared with you the idea of uh, taking a, a Raspberry Pi, which I, I've been putting together. And if you look at it, looks very similar to the uh, Echo Show. I had gotten a Raspberry Pi that I would gotten a touchscreen display for, and I was going to start working on um, putting a camera on it, putting speakers on it, and coding it up so that uh, my dad could ask it the questions that he has a tendency to ask every day, and that it would give the response for him so that he wouldn't have to, you know bother asking people or sometimes there aren't even people in the room and he's asking what time is it what day it is and there's nobody there with him so i, w- I was going to start coding it after seeing this echo I, you know i'm not completely opposed to that because you they have developer kits for echo that, that you can write to so i'm i'm gonna have to look into this a little bit more it's a, it's a little pricey so this this entire raspberry pi right now uh with the touch screen on it with the case uh, I think I'm at about 110. Now, I, I'm still missing the camera, and I'm still missing the speaker. Um, but, you know, that's not going to cost me much more. And I think the I, I think the Echo Show you can pre-order right now is at, like, 220 or something. But, of course, you have the whole powering of Amazon behind it and the whole Echo platform to build on. So there, there is that. Yeah, um, and you can, so, buy, you can buy a two-pack, which, which comes in at $180 per unit. Yeah. It's not, so I don't know. not I mean, bad. It's something to keep an eye on, yeah. And, again, my, my mother, who, who you know, doesn't have dementia, but she, she's definitely older, has trouble with technology – for her to have the ability to tell this device just to call me, and then it being able to call me, is uh, is appealing. And keep in mind, it doesn't need to call another Echo Show. It my uh, unless I'm not understanding it correctly. The the calling capability is uh, something you can do between all the Echoes. Yeah, the Dot, the regular Alexa, Echo, um, and even the virtual devices. If you if you want to spin up a fake. Echo device, you can. Now the thing yeah, we haven't, so I, I don't the, know. the thing we didn't mention is that this has a camera, and our my same concerns about always watching do come up. And one thing yeah, that yeah, bugs yeah. me about it is that the camera is front and center with no little plastic slider to just turn it off to just cover the camera. Uh, electrical tape. That's what the CIA does. But I, I, I think it's I think it's crazy this day and age to release a device with a camera that's always on and not have a, a sliding plastic cover for it. I, I think that's something people yeah, inherently want. All right, so You know you would think, but but how often do you see that? Every day. No. That's I don't leave my house. Uh No, pr- I, I mean think about laptops that are released. No, you don't. Oh yeah. Laptops that are being released now? What? I, I can think of a couple of laptops that have that ability, that have a hard cover on, on a camera, but majority of them don't. I, I don't think Apple's do. I don't think any Apple does. Well, no. no. That would ruin the aesthetic. All right, we've spent too much time on this story. Let's move on. All righty. I read an interesting article about PHP performance. Now... Since 7 came out, I don't really concern myself with performance. Well, 
since I don't have to do sysadmin anymore, I don't concern myself with performance. But this is an interesting article about having more cores in your CPU versus having faster cores in your CPU. Okay. So as I think as I think most people know, PHP is a single threaded application. You can't split off. I was just about to say that. Uh, Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the way that PHP is generally configured, it doesn't try to create a new process to handle incoming requests unless it's hit some sort of max ceiling. So this this guy Hayden James. Uh, looked into CPU usage and PHP performance and found that having a low-speed, high-core machine was not as good as having faster cores. Hmm. Which makes sense. It, for it, PHP, it makes sense. Right. For PHP, it makes sense, but that is the opposite of Intel's sort of general advertising on CPUs for servers. Intel... Mm-hmm. As you go more cores, you go more expensive, but slower on the the CPU speed. So it's actually more beneficial to have fewer cores at a higher speed because you can get a, you can get a single core from Intel now or from AMD that is fifty percent faster for a pretty low price. Hmm. So, so fewer cores, fa- faster CPUs. Yeah, faster is, CPUs, is fewer cores. Yeah, he was seeing a lot well, not, of situations. Not necessarily fewer cores, but if you have to sacrifice between cores and speed, always lean towards speed. Right. It's when you're when you're looking at the the breakdown of cost versus gain. Your gain on mm-hmm. CPU speed is much much more cost efficient. Mm, cool. So we'll have that right. we'll have that full uh, breakdown. He doesn't go as in depth as I wish he did, um, but he gives us a good a good number of uh, simulated tests that we can look at. You mentioned show notes. Uh, probably a good opportunity to bring a uh, good area to bring this up. So we're we're moving um, off SoundCloud. Uh, been when I uh, when I started. Working with the guys over at LairChat Live, one of the things Diego Dev did is uh, we offered to host a audio version of their podcast so that they can publish to iTunes and things like that. And PHP Ugly, had, we were already established, and we were using SoundCloud to, to host our audio stream, uh, which was good. I mean, it integrated with... Uh, I mean, it didn't integrate. It created an RSS feed, which is all you need for things like iTunes and the Google Play Store. Um, but it didn't really... It, it, SoundCloud isn't really set up for podcasts, right? And so where I was... I, what I would basically do is I would do show notes in GitHub. We'd have our GitHub repo. I would copy those show notes, and I would put them in SoundCloud because... You know, I wanted that 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 text there, uh, but it never really displayed well. Like SoundCloud did, couldn't manage uh, Markdown, and it just was it wasn't a very good looking uh, interface. And then I would also take that SoundCloud um, iframe 
and post it on the phbugly.com website, again, with the show notes. So show notes would end up in three locations. Uh, we'd publish to SoundCloud. I'd pull that SoundCloud over to phbugly. It was just kind of a kind of a mess, you know, a lot of steps. Well, with Lair, Lair Chat Live, uh, I looked into another service called uh, Simplecast and uh, was really happy with it. Um, allowed me to put everything in the same place. Well, when our uh, thing expired with SoundCloud, which it expires here, I think, next week, uh, I just went ahead and canceled that, and I've moved PHP Ugly over to Simplecast now. So now, if you go to www.phpugly.com, you hit our Simplecast page, and that's where everything's going to live moving forward. It'll 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 be as our website. It'll be where the show notes are. You can listen to the uh, podcast there on the website, or it it'll continue to feed into. We've updated the, the endpoints in iTunes and Google Doc. Um, Google Play already. I looked on Google Play. We have exact exactly zero subscribers on Google Play. Perfect. I don't know how many we have. I don't know how many we have on iTunes. I don't think. I still don't think the majority of the people know you can listen to podcasts on Google Play. Much less that many people listening to Google Play in uh, general. I can uh, tell you, iTunes. We have at least fourteen subscribers. Nice, nice. So yeah. Uh, so moving forward, everything's going to be at www.phpugly.com. I think it also, phpugly.simplecast.fm also takes you to the same location. And everything will be right there. Show notes, uh, embedded player, uh, all that. So just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, we're going to have to make sure we put something up on SoundCloud to let people know that moved it over. Yeah, I don't even know how you would do that. That that's part of the problem with SoundCloud. Maybe I can put it in the profile. Just say, yeah, move to uh, to you know our new location. And that was the cool thing about uh, Simplecast. I just pointed it to our SoundCloud uh, public URL. Not even any special private API endpoint key. Nothing. I just pointed it to the public URL. It scraped it. Pulled down all the uh, all the past shows, pulled out all the information about the past shows, and populated its own database with it, and we're off and running. Well, I have I have another interesting tool for you here. Go ahead. With the worst URL I've seen in a long time. Okay. The tool is called Composer CI. Continuous Integration Com- for Composer. Composer Continuous Integration. Okay. What's so, the URL that's so terrible? Uh, composerci.miguelpidrafita.com <laughs> Okay. I, I, get, I get that he wants his name attached to the project, but probably shouldn't. Buy a domain, dude. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> um, it, and it's it takes the continuous integration concepts and sort of applies them to your dependencies in your project. So, uh, every day... You, you basically you give your composer file over to it every day it reads your composer file checks all your dependencies for newer versions and notifies you if your composer file is out of date hmm. um, okay it, it integrates into github and generates a pull request to update your composer json with the new dependencies whenever it finds one 
and it's supposedly semver aware so it knows that something is or isn't a compatible dependency i don't know does it doesn't seem that useful to me it's it's interesting i don't know if it's incredibly useful but i could imagine being a dev with 20 projects that i just didn't want to deal with maintaining every composer file for every project you know if you're yeah but but i mean isn't isn't that i mean i guess well i, I guess if there's security patches that have to happen i, I was say typically i mean that's that's a matter of a deployment I mean, you deploy but you don't typically just go periodically and do a composer update to no. a deployed application no in, in my environment so, composer update is verboten you don't you don't run it right well and that's that's pretty typical i mean that's the whole reason why why you commit your composer lock file to your repo now because you want to make sure that it's a known version of of the packages that are being installed so you always do a composer install you you know you don't typically do a composer update unless it's part of the development process and and you want to run your test against it uh i I just don't i don't know i mean sure i I guess there would be people out there that want to use this i i don't know if it's that all that appealing to me well i think of the laravel collective when I look at it, something you, you drink that Kool Aid. Oh, absolutely! With my little <laughs> with my little cat tentacle arms. Um, no, I, I think of something that an open source developer in charge of maintaining might want to keep an eye on it without having to constantly keep an eye on it. You know, for for a lot of open source projects, that's just one guy maintaining it and a hundred people using it. That you don't you don't look at your project every single day, uh, and mm-hmm. you don't want to have to. I suppose so, yeah. And from what I can tell, it's just a free service. So there are instances where why not? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Burn it through. I I use Tinker. Do you use Tinker? I am a huge fan of Tinker. I Tinker a lot. Artisan Tinker is a REPL, read, eval, print, loop. Um, so for, for listeners who may not be familiar, Tinker is a package that comes with Laravel, and it allows you to drop into a command line within your application. So you, you have your Laravel application deployed, you fire up Tinker, and you're able to leverage your models, your controllers uh, from this this command line interface called Tinker. It's super powerful to- tool. It's great for testing, you know, like if you have relationships defined in your model and you want to make sure when you do a fetch, you know, eager loading is, is loading, you know, what you think it's loading. It's, it's a great tool for that. I, I love Tinker. Yeah, Tinker, whenever I'm getting a headache with one specific line in my code, I will just copy and paste that line and go into Tinker and run it over and over and over, changing one character at a time. You know, it it gets a lot of use on model changes because it is just a command line interface. Um, but I also use it a lot when I'm developing uh, API clients. When I get an API mm-hmm. from somebody and they say, here's our endpoints, just curl them. I say, okay, and I pop open curl in Tinker, and I start mm-hmm. executing everything per their instructions, which are universally bad. 
<laughs> I don't know what the problem is with people writing APIs. If you write an API, you're writing a, a document first and then a program second. Because if, mm-hmm. if your document and program don't match, it is an immediate failure. Mm-hmm. It's, your document should be your test case for your API. I, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Have your document be your PHP unit tests for your API? Mm. That's what those services are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the Canary one that we talked about? Apiary. Yeah, Apiary. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that yeah. service is amazing. I I wish yeah. I had more and opportunity to use it. Yeah, that's the the that's almost the exact philosophy behind it. You you mock out your API endpoints, you test against it, that becomes your document, and then you're off and running. Yeah, it's like TDD plus plus. Yeah, it actually it creates yep. fake endpoints for you too, so you can write the client as well. Anyways, Tinker, <clears throat> which I've I've used for a while now just knowing that I can type something into it and it'll pipe something out to me. But I've never looked into it a whole lot. And I've got this article published on Titan Co. And it is fantastic. It it breaks down everything you should know about Tinker. It has improved ways of dumping data. It has... It has a way for the for a program for a command line program to dump into Tinker. Did you know, did you see that? I, I did. Yeah, that's amazing. You just it's like yeah. putting a breakpoint in at at the point of execution. It's so it's so cool. There are so many amazing tricks in this one article. It explains the history of Tinker. Um, that it's a fork of the Psy SH or Psy shell. I think that's a, that's part of Symphony, is if I'm mistaken. Uh no, this is part of Bob the Cow. This is a independent. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember hearing that. Yeah. Now we we should say this. This is different than the uh, the what's it called? The interactive shell for PHP, which was what's that five 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 did that come in five four or five five or five six anyways php now has an inter- interactive shell that you can drop into the thing that separates tinker from that is as i explained before it loads up your classes it loads up your models and so with um with a laravel a- application you can you can throw in eloquent statements and get your get your results. Uh, it's very nice. So. Yeah, it's it's like you're inside of an instance of Laravel. Um, there are some annoyances about having to type in the full uh, namespaces for things that he addresses at the very bottom here. Uh, it has uh, tab support for auto completion. It he has methods in here for having config files that load up your preferences whenever you use Tinker. I mean. I, I'm totally stunned at what Tinker can do that I had no idea. Um, you can type mm-hmm. you can type doc and then a method name, and it'll pull up the PHP docs for that method. Uh, That's crazy. The coolest stuff. I, I if if you go to any of the links in this show, go to this one because it is a fantastic article. It's a seven minute read. It is. It is a tool that I have had for a long time and never known that it could do this this much. Cool. So I'm throwing that out to everybody. What are we at? How much time we got here? 53 minutes. 
We're on schedule, man. We've we've masterfully wasted time. But you know what it means when we hit the 50-minute mark. Doom and gloom, right? I thought you already did doom and gloom. I thought that was the Google thing. Yeah, you bumped that forward. You you tangented, so I I, I pulled it in. Okay. What's what's our doom and gloom for this week? Like all doom and glooms, I have a secret mystery article that I did not put on the list. Okay. But first, we've we've talked a lot. We've talked a lot about the Internet of Things botnets, the the horrific mm-hmm. nightmare that is Internet of Things and how much I hate it and how terrible it is. Say so, I was going to say we didn't talk a lot about it. You have spoken a lot about it. Yes. For example, currently available on Kickstarter. I'm sorry, not Kickstarter, the one that sucks. What's it called? Indigo or Indiegogo? Indi- or? Indiegogo. Is that it? Yeah, Indiegogo, yeah. which which no one should ever, ever, ever use. Indiegogo now has the smart salt shaker. Okay. It is a salt shaker that you can play music on, and it has blinking lights to entertain your guests. Okay. Another thing for a botnet to horribly, horribly ruin but there's an interesting new botnet out there well maybe not even new there's an interesting botnet out there that that's confounding a lot of people it's called hajime it it is it is currently around 300,000 devices infected it is a self-propagating p2p worm and it is continually under development it's getting new exploits patched in. It's getting new functionality patched into it. But one of the interesting things about it is that it's patching IoT devices. <laughs> okay. So many of the victims of this botnet are finding their routers suddenly more secure. There's not a lot known about who's running the botnet, why they're running the botnet, but there are messages that do get displayed on some of these compromised devices, such as just a white hat securing some systems. Important messages will be signed like this, Hajime author, contact closed, stay sharp. Do, do we think it's an actual white hat botnet? Or? We do. We think it is a real, a, a for real white hat botnet, which to me is one of the most cyberpunk things ever, that is <laughs> hunting down easily exploited rogue devices and patching them. So you want to hear a funny story? I would love to. All right. So I worked with this guy back in the day, a uh, nice guy, uh, email administrator. And uh, he ran. Um, you just said nice guy server. and then email administrator. Yeah, nice guy, email administrator. You know, <laughs> <laughs> for an email administrator. And uh, he ran. Uh, he ran uh, a web server out, out of his house. A uh, pretty powerful web server. He was serving up um, websites, and uh, which most web servers do. And uh, he was charging, you know, a nominal fee to host people's websites, and not a, not a big deal. Well, I I shared a cube with this guy, and uh, one day, you know, he says, "Huh, that's weird. It looks like one of my configuration files have been changed." And I, I think it was, uh, it might have even been like something like IP tables. 
He's like, Dad, he's like, you know, I, I need this stuff open because whatever reason he had, he wanted to have these uh, vulnerable ports open. And it might have even been FTP at the time. It might have been port 23. So didn't think much about it. He went ahead and fixed the configuration and went on with, with his day. And uh, a couple of days later, he's like, hey. Eric, man, he's, that configuration reverted itself. Does Linux have some sort of default config that it it loads up? And I'm like, no, nah, not that I'm aware of. I'm like, are you sure you're not doing something that's overwriting the config? He's no. So he changes it again and goes on with his day. Another day passes, and you know, sitting there in the queue because Eric, he's like, there's a there's a text file in my home directory. I'm like, what? And he opens it up, and it's from a hacker. He says, hey, man. He's like, uh, I'm trying to keep your server secure for you. He's like, I'm using it for a couple things. I promise I won't do anything bad. But you you, you should have these things. You shouldn't be doing these things. They're not secure. They're how I got in. And I'm like, holy crap, dude. So he continued for a couple days having this conversation back and forth with this person who had compromised his system. And the whole time they're having a conversation by placing text files in his home directory. And it was the, he, he's like, what do you think I should do? I'm like, the dude hacked your server. Do you really think he's not doing anything malicious with it? It was, it I, was just I like can believe a surreal that. experience. Yeah, okay. I mean, maybe, maybe the guy was genuinely a, a white hat hacker who was, but why would he have been using the server without permission? First thing. Tell me the year. And uh, Tell me the year. Oh, this had to have been early 2000, like 01, 02. He was hosting an FTP site. Well, no, I th- again, I think FTP was the one thing he kept closing. I, I think he kept closing the FTP port. Uh, because it, it was, he felt it was vulnerable or whatever. I, and I, I, if I remember correctly, that ha- is what had alerted my friend. Uh. Yeah, I think he may, might have even been trying to do it. I, I think it was porn. I think the guy was hosting porn or doing something with porn. Uh, but yeah, it was, I, you know, reg- regardless, the, the guy was on the server without permission. Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't do that. Nah, nah, white hat or not. You're not a white hat hacker at that point. You know what I mean? I mean, you're, yeah, you're, you're, you're a gray hat. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always I, that that's event has always stuck with me all through my years of doing system administration. I, I'm always on the lookout for text files in my home directory. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. I I think that's that's it. Is that it? Is that it? Nope. I don't know. You said you had something else. Intel patches a remote execution hole that has been in their chips since 2010. I saw that. I didn't read about it, but I saw that. So th- it's not getting a lot of coverage on uh, the the standard tech media. It's just sort of getting an article, and people are looking at it and going, I can't understand anything here. Hmm. But uh, the, the higher level of Intel chip is the vPro suite of processors or processor features. Uh, vPro supports something called AMT, Active Management Technology, uh, Standard Manageability, ISM, and Small Business Technology. Uh, And this is all firmware, so this is all part of the chip's core logics. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Unfortunately, AMT uh, doesn't check the password when you try to use the management console. Seems like a minor issue. Uh, and this was actually found by researchers years ago. So the, this article here from the register likes to say uh, it's been hidden in the chips since 2010. It's been hidden since 2014-ish until someone mm. publicly started looking into this and, and sending messages to Intel saying, come on, dude, come on, fix this, fix this, fix this. And Intel basically said, no one, not enough people know about it yet. So we're not gonna. But finally, these researchers got pissed off and issued a, a public statement saying, if Intel's not going to fix it, here's what you do. This is every, almost every Intel chip since 2010. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, and this goes all the way up to, if you're a hardware person, all the way up to the Cabby Lake cores. So this is the modern Intel chipsets. Um, if you have AMT enabled on your machine, then you're vulnerable. Uh, people mm. people can basically log in without a password and gain full control of your CPU from that point. Um, one one part of the issue being that the activity on AMT doesn't get logged because it's at the CPU level. It's not running on your operating system. It's running on the chip. So there's no knowledge of how long this exploit has been known by black hat elements and been taken advantage of. Uh, there hasn't been a virus that used it to replicate. There hasn't been a large breach that indicates that this was the source of the breach. Intel's just saying there wasn't a problem until now, and now we're patching it, so don't worry. But it's entirely possible, in, in, in the case of government tech operations, probable that this has been a known problem for a long time and that, that larger hacker groups have been using it to compromise servers, which are using the AMT technology. So, yeah, it's uh, the first talk about this vulnerability was by Igor Skoczynski in 2014. And it's something this is this is a feature set that people have been complaining about for a long time. But yeah, that's that's just scary stuff. That's what you're here for, man. That's what I do. You're here to expose the scary stuff. And people like it. The fans like it. The fans love it. I I get I get more more feedback talking about doom and gloom, wanting more doom and gloom. All right. Well, I think you've got enough to edit this week. How do you feel? You think we're ready to wrap this one up? Yeah. Shame we couldn't hear from John this week, but uh, not really. <laughs> it's, he won't make it to the end of this podcast, anyways. All right. Well, we got uh, we got one more show, and then uh, then it's going to be PHP Tech, which I you know I'm taking like I said I'm taking my hardware out with me for PHP Tech. Um, we're going to be doing a podcast out there, uh, so I don't see any reason why we can't get together and do a podcast. It'll probably just be you and myself. I know John is uh, John's going out there with his family, so probably at, in the afternoons, as one does his- when taking a vacation from the family. 
bring the family. They 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 bring him along. Yeah, it's what you do. <laughs> I'll never I'll never understand so, that man. He's too driven. We'll see. We'll see how we'll see how tech goes. See see how the after after conference events are and whether or not they have time and feel like time. it. But again, <laughs> you you say time, but you mean if you've had enough to drink or too much to drink. It's going to be a really fine line. I've been to these events. Drink, drink, Drink is not an issue. Now, man, Laracast, at Laracast, at uh, Laracon US last year, I left the bar, came back to my hotel room, did a show of PHP Ugly with you, went back to the bar. I mean, that's how you roll at these conferences, Could baby. have just stayed at the bar. That's true. All right. If you run into me or John, uh, we'll both be equipped with some PHP Ugly stickers and pins. Please ask for a pin. I need... I need to get rid of these. I don't know what I'm going to do with all these PHP Ugly pins. Uh, ask for a sticker and a pin, and uh, you you will have that. I'll also have, if you're interested, some uh, Lair Chat stickers with me. So if you want a Lair Chat sticker, let me know that as well. We had a good Lair Chat today, uh, Thomas. We talked about Docker and Vagrant, so uh, make, might want to give that a listen. Um, but I won't go too much into that. And... Uh, yeah, I think we're good for today. What do you think? Well, I don't know. You you just replied to somebody on Twitter. I'm, while I'm, we I'm were right talking. <laughs> what? What? You, <laughs> I, did you did, did you actually think you were you were retaining my interest? I'm a little heartbroken. Talking about Intel? I'm a little Talking heart- about a, a four-year vulnerability in an Intel chip? You think I was actually going to keep paying attention to that? Well, look at look at the post. I looked. We're going to have to talk about this next week because we've we've if if you're a, a long-time listener you'll remember us talking about Windows entering the Linux era a long time ago yeah. and that's what's happening. It's expanding. It's it's expanding, man. That's some goofy stuff. I'm telling you, I I'm getting more and more on the fence about about re-entering the realm of Windows. You know, if you do that, you can play games with me because Max don't have games. I don't play games. I'm not a gamer. Because you have a Mac. I like, I like watching people play games. That's like living in Utah and saying I'm not much of a drinker. Yeah. <laughs> you live in Utah. I don't have time for games, man. I got I got podcasts to do. I got companies to run. It's, I got no time for games. Uh, I'll turn you. Oh, God. All right. That's it. I'm calling it. All right. That's it. I'm, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. You I was agreeing. My I was agreeing with you. No, you keep cutting my wrap-ups out. You've <laughs> taken the power of the editor way too far. I have never cut. Too far. I have never cut any of your outros out. Every week no, you do it. It's a gentle fade out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Eric Van Johnson. I'm Tom Rideout. Keep it ugly. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Diego Dev Group. If you are looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then you want to reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. Links and show notes from this episode of PHP Ugly can be found at www.phpugly.com. You can follow our hosts on Twitter. You can also follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly. 
subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Play Podcast, or SoundCloud. If you like what you hear, then please leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next week, keep it ugly.